0: plastic polluters. And it wasn't just plastic pollution they found. Interestingly, they found some innovative solutions there. So it's not all, you know, grim. There is actually some hope in those countries. And they're with me tonight in the studio, Paul Hellier and Jamie Lepree. There's a little bit of debate about how to pronounce his surname. Apparently, his brother pronounces it a different way. But anyway, they documented their journey across uh, Thailand, Cambodia and Vietnam in a film called Peloton Against Plastic. It's going to be released next month. It's a documentary. And I thought we should find out a bit more about it. So good evening to you both. Did you cycle all the here from Wollongong. That is my first question. Yes, uh, I uh,
1: used a vehicle ran by uh, Fuel from uh, the Fossils of the World. I'm sorry.
0: Well, was it a plastic car? Because now you're really in trouble.
1: Yes, yeah, all plastic. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> That's great. Now, how did you two meet? You both have you both been anti-plastic campaign?
1: Yeah, it was on Tinder. Uh, <laughs> on plastic Tinder. No, no, we met um, at a beach cleanup. Paul and I. So I went down to film. I uh, run a video production company, and I was uh, filming this cleanup. And uh, Paul and I locked eyes, and uh, he saw the video. And said, "Yo, that's a cool video. I like you." And he's like, "You know, let's. Do you want to come and film a little video for my business?" And then, you know, I think it was about a year later. Or we try to. We actually try to produce a um our own TV series, a conscious uh, TV program. Got the pilot done for that. That went nowhere. And then uh, he's like, "Hey, why don't we go to Asia and uh, ride our bikes from uh, Vietnam all the way to Thailand and see what?" Uh, plastic solutions we can find.
0: Paul, why choose Asia?
2: Uh, well, I'd spent some time in Vietnam in particular, and I did a little ride on my own there. Um, just bought a bike on the side of the road and rode for a, about two weeks. But I saw some pretty cool stuff, and I'd worked with some groups as well. And then, but I didn't really document it. So I, when I got home, I said to Jamie, "We should go and film this. It's pretty cool."
0: Had you both been cyclists before? <laughs>
1: I've I uh, got small legs. Uh, <laughs> no, I've I, I, you know I've rode I've rode a bike and had rode a bike before that. A but dragster. Yeah, for a BMX. <laughs> yeah. A tricycle when I was young. And no, I was you know pretty excited to have a go, and I knew it was going to be a, a pretty uh, intense uh, task. But I trained for maybe uh, two months before, very irregularly, and uh, I paid for it on the trip. On the yeah, first day, I like felt like giving up and hopping on the bus and uh, going home.
0: How bad is the plastic pollution in in Thailand and Cambodia and Vietnam?
1: Oh,
2: well, yeah, it's pretty bad. And um, I think, you know, most Australians who have been to Southeast Asia would know how bad it is. But the the reason for our journey was to really try and bring some hope and focus on what is happening. Um, You know, I'd been picking up plastic down in Wollongong for 15 years or so and it gets pretty depressing. So, yeah, we wanted to just tell a story that shows that people in southeast asia are just like us and they want to they want to change this issue, issue as well and they have a different yes it's a different situation there than it is here
0: mm. so how does the plastic message get through in southeast asia
2: well uh, luckily you know when we went over there we had maybe half a dozen people set up for meetings in different cafes and restaurants as we went along the trip and we ended up inundated with messages every day mm. we ended up having meetings pretty much the whole trip. Mm. The, whole, the trip was about a month and uh, we maybe had two nights off, I think, in that whole time because so who, people were just so enthusiastic. Who were the meetings with?
1: Random uh, non-for-profits, organisations, grassroots groups that have uh, expats that would come to these countries and say, look, I want to do this idea and this is the only country I can do it in to make it financially viable and do it off the small amount of money I have. Um, Or there were locals, which was the really cool thing to see that they um, totally broke the stereotype that's been fed to us around the world about Asia. And uh, they were educated and they were super passionate and dedicated to the cause. And, yeah, we saw some amazing, amazing, um, you know, solutions. Some of my favorite were, you know, using plastic bottles and filling them with plastic and using them um, as building materials, you know, using grass as uh, straws. Um, you know, alternatives to women's sanitary products and making biodiesels and, you know, the byproduct of that being glycerin. And they turn that into soaps and sell that to hotels, some really innovative stuff. So yeah, we'll uh, having just a great time meeting some really passionate people. And I think I I would, yeah, say for myself, i like the best month of my life
0: are there, are, there, are there many people onto cutting back plastic in Southeast Asia, or is it it's still a majority of people who will just use plastic and just chuck it wherever?
2: Yeah, I think it's very similar to Australia in that you know there are, there are people who are super passionate, and and I think that's something that will come out in the film is that people in Australia there's there's all these groups who are doing cleanups and starting companies and you know, you know they're doing everything they can, and then there's the general population who you know might know something about plastic and maybe they'll change someday. But um, it's it's not their main thing in life. So um,
0: I guess the, the problem in Asia is you've got developing nations. Mm. You don't have people with the same sort of disposable income that we have. And also mm. the water supply is really unreliable. So people are drinking water out of plastic bottles.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, like if you live in the countryside in some of these places, you know, it's not there's no truck coming around to your front door and taking this plastic away. Mm. You, you've you got this cheap substance that's very versatile and useful, but once you've got it, that's it. It's up to you to dispose of it. And the way it's disposed of is probably how they used to dispose of banana leaves and twine, just thrown out the window, mm. or they take it somewhere and it gets burnt. So, um, you know, and and I think what stood out for me was a lot of the people that were uh, passionate about a change were young people. You know, so there was a lot of, the very first day um, we had this meeting in a cafe and the whole cafe was full of, you know, mostly people in their twenties, just wanting to tell us their stories and and what they were doing. So um, we also talked to some older people and it was interesting that they were aware that it was causing a problem because they could see the plastic in their rice fields or whatever but they weren't really sure about the global issue of it. Mm. But, but they could tell it wasn't a good thing.
0: Is, is there anybody trying to get around the fact that there's not regular garbage collection services in many places? There's no certainly no recycling services like we see here. I wouldn't imagine someone's got a wheelie bin that they can just chuck out and put their recycling in and someone takes it away. I mean, where ours goes is a whole other issue. We won't <laughs> go there. But, but is, there, is there somebody trying to find a solution to that?
1: Um, there's definitely a lot of people lobbying uh, to the government and councils, um, their version of the councils, trying to you know to get um, some some headwind in that respect but um it is a different political landscape over there and so they really come up against you know, a lot of barriers and they're just like we're trying 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 we just keep getting no's or they give you a little bit and then it'll take six months to get another reply there's no consistency it's just not on their bill to really deal with it so i think from the people we'd talk to where we we said hey what about you go you know and they're like oh we've tried that we've been and nothing's happened so we just have to do it uh, you know, by ourselves, and just hope they come to the party eventually. And that's what I really loved um, about meeting these people is they they come up against these really you know uh, tough obstacles, and they just they get around it and say, "Well, I'm not doing it for their approval there or help. It would it would be nice, but look, I'm just going to do it anyway because the planet needs it, my family needs it, and yeah." So. That was the the great thing about it being there.
2: We did meet a girl who had a, she'd started an app that was like linking recyclers because people go around and recycle, say bottles or cardboard. And then if you live in an apartment block or something, you could use this app and, and it would link you to a recycler. So if you were, if you were interested in reducing your waste, you, they would be, the app would be able to find you someone to come and collect the bottles from your house.
0: Dude, that's a great idea. I mean, yeah. we, we could do with something like that here, couldn't we? Isn't that an idea that we mm. could borrow and bring back?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, she'd bypass the government altogether.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And so if we can do that, then we're, we're winning, aren't are th- we? Are
0: there many ideas that, that you saw over there in action that you would be able to bring back to Australia or are they mm-hmm. at very early stages with, with plastic over there?
2: The majority of them, I think, are similar. Um, you know, there and that's there's a lot of groups here that are doing the same thing and the same groups or types of groups are doing the same thing in those countries. And um, well, I think we probably know more about some of the ideas over there than we do here, really. Mm. Um, you know, there's the 3D printing plastic and creating a, an income for people so that they can collect the waste from the streets and then be paid for the plastic and then they turn that into... Lockers and, and tiles and things like that. So it's it's not in the environment anymore. Um, it
1: was rehash, rehash Trash who were... Um, this was obviously not using any kind of new technology, but they were just taking um, plastic bags, thousands of them a week, and then crocheting them, weaving them into baskets and other products to sell. And that was just helping um, with giving local women jobs and educating them. Um, so it's just kind of those grassroots initiatives. But in terms of technology... Um, and we definitely have it here, you know, there's groups, there's one on the central coast that no one really knows about. And they they've got some of the most advanced technology in turning, um, our plastic waste into a biodiesel, you know, the leaders in the, on, on the globe. And yet, you know, it takes about $80 million for them to start up a plant and they're not getting any really funding to get that going. And I'm like, come on guys, you know, we need that in Australia. We shouldn't be shipping it off. We have the technology here. We have the money, no excuses.
0: You're listening to Jamie Laprie and Paul Hellier, and uh, they've made a documentary called The Peloton Against Plastic. This is after their month long sojourn around Thailand, Cambodia, and Vietnam on a bicycle. A sojourn kind of makes it sound romantic, though, doesn't it? It, oh, it sounds was. like a lot of pain <laughs> to me. It was. There's Chris. a shot of you in the documentary, very red faced with a block of ice on that your That was the first day <laughs> where I
1: thought I was going to die. I thought I was going <laughs> to overheat. I
0: was looking at it thinking, is he, has he got a heat stroke there? Like, what yeah, happened? What definitely. Happened there? It was yeah. only
2: 47. You know? yeah. no degrees. Yeah. 47 degrees. First
1: day. Wow. What a wimp. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was doing like, cause I, it was winter when we were leaving. So I was like, I got to get mentally strong. So I just started doing cold water swims <laughs> thinking I'd just strengthen me up mentally. And I got there and it was died, died.
0: Now, it, it must be frustrating to you if you're both campaigning against plastic to hear people complaining about, you know, for instance, when we lost our single-use bags out of supermarkets. Mm-hmm. What, what do you, how do you convince people <coughs> unhappy about the inconvenience of that, that it's something we really should be thinking about doing?
1: Oh, go to Asia and see <laughs> what real inconvenience is, you know, go to yeah. some of these, you know, developing countries where they're really, you know, putting up with some tough stuff, and just be like, you know, don't make excuses. You can do this and, you know, do it for yourself, do it for your children. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, th- I think, you know, if you, if you do go, you go for a snorkel or somewhere in, in one of these countries or even probably in parts of Australia and you, you go down to the bottom and you're looking at all these amazing fish and then you come to the surface and there's, you know, a metre of bits of plastic and plastic bags and all that sort of thing, you start to realise that we all have a part to play in this. And we all survived pretty well before plastic came around. Mm. It hasn't really been around all that long. And, you know, if things like bands, uh, they cause a big hoo-ha when they they first occur, but, you know, after a few weeks, we can't even remember that we ever even used Mm. them because Mm. we've just adjusted. And I think we underestimate our ability to adapt to things. It's really not that hard in the scheme of things that that we have to put up with in life.
1: I think, and I think it's the idea of, you know, for a lot of people, you're just getting something for free and we're attached to this idea of, you know, you, you know, these days you can buy shirts for $3, you know, you get these free plastic bags and other free things. And, you know, I think especially the older generation, there's that kind of scarcity inbuilt into them. And so, you know, anything free is a good thing. (laughs) It's not really anything cheap and free is good. That's it. So it's just about changing that mindset.
0: You managed to do the whole trip. Plastic free, didn't you?
1: Yeah, well, we, we took. Well, it was about fifteen of us on the on the Peloton uh, over the month, and we took back a you know normal sized bag um, with single use plastic, you know, a small like shopping bag. Um, so I thought that was pretty good. There was just a few times we were using our very poor uh, language skills, and it, they would be uh, misinterpreted and mistranslated, and they would come and bring us plastic. They'd be like, "Here you go, you asked for plastic," and we're like, "No, we asked for no plastic." <laughs> Um, so yeah, I I was pretty proud with that effort. I thought we're going to be coming back with a suitcase because it is just, you know, especially at the end of the day, you've done, you know, eight, 10 hours of writing, you've gone and filmed interviews and then, you know, going back and charging all our, all our camera gear. And then you go out to a, to have a drink and then you don't, you forget to ask, um, to not have a plastic straw and it comes out and it's there because everything comes in a plastic bag or plastic straw. So, but yeah, I'm pretty proud of us.
0: Is it tough to travel without plastic? I mean, little things like you know when you go shopping, plastic wrapping on things when you have something to eat.
2: Or, it's not really. If I think if you have that mindset, it's pretty easy to do. When I, when I did the ride on my own, uh, I didn't. Finish. I finished with no plastic at all Be, but because I was on my own I could ride a bit further and and you know I cuz it was just He's me You say
0: Jamie's a wimp he couldn't yeah, go Yeah,
2: exactly. Like you got to keep everyone happy <laughs> and sometimes that means getting a plastic straw but um, no you know I like I could drink a coconut on the side of the road and uh, if I if there was no water available I'd just ride a bit further and get a Sprite in a in a glass bottle or something like that but on but on this trip, as Jamie mentioned, straws were by far the hardest thing for us to avoid. We had um, water filters and uh, like a SteriPen, which is a UV light that we, you can just stir water with, the UV light, and Was you that, can drink the water. One of the top. big
0: things about travelling through Southeast Asia, you're always told not to drink the water, so you mm-hmm. end up with plastic bottles of water. So just just go through that again. How did that work?
2: So the SteriPen is basically, it's just a UV light on a like a stick, and you... Fill the your glass or bottle with uh, tap water, and then you just stir the water for about forty five seconds with this pen and then you just drink the water straight from the tap. You don't get sick. No. Nah. nobody oh, got sick.
1: Tried his urine and it was fine.
2: Oh, yeah, well, you got to test too it. Too much information. <laughs> you got to make sure it works. <laughs> uh, were you? What else do we? We used a uh, life straw as well.
1: Life straw was great. Great. We, I think we we're going to test that out on a really dirty puddle in Bangkok.
0: What's a life straw?
2: It you just. It looks like a big fat straw, but it has a filter inside, and you can literally suck out of a puddle, mm. and and it comes out clear. Amazing. Is
1: it Yeah, yeah. We got we we've made a string of videos on our Facebook um, with like how to get around without using uh, plastic uh, straws, and that was yeah the life straw, the UV filter, or maybe have a drink without a straw. Just a lot of people just seem to can't... They can't commit to to drinking without a straw. They've forgotten. So we had a how-to video of how to drink without a straw.
2: <laughs> Very handy
0: advice in the doco. Yeah. The well. awesome
2: thing about Asia too though is like almost everyone speaks English or wants to speak English and, you know, you can... You, you go in a hotel and they'll have water there available so if you have your own bottle, you just fill it up in the, at the start mm. of the day before you go and do anything
1: Yeah, there's really no excuses I think if you're, you know, a big part of the uh, message for us was to, to really push conscious travelling and show you how easy it is if you just commit to it, you know and also not to berate yourself and, you know, um, feel bad if you come into plastic it's just trying your best and I think that's what we're – we don't want to push a message of perfection and that we're, you know, these environmental gurus. It's just we're having a crack, trying to do our best and couldn't avoid it um, completely and I doubt really anyone could. Um, so just mm. do your best, you know. All right. Well, yeah.
0: congratulations. So the documentary looks like you guys had a lot of fun and it sends a great message about plastic. So thank you so much for coming into the studio. I really appreciate it.
1: No, Rise. Thank just, you. I'd uh, like to – um, let everyone know that our film will be on demand.film. So go check that out. It'd be great for people to, to pre-purchase tickets so we can, you know, get this film out there and get the...
0: So on demand.film demand is where Demand.film
1: is where, yeah, our Docker will be, um, you know, it'll, all the cinemas will be on there where it's going to be shown. So. Terrific. Yeah.
0: All right. It's called The Peloton Against Plastic, being released across Australia on July 31. Thank you for coming in.
1: Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris.
0: Paul Hellier and Jamie LaPree there. And uh, as I said, yes. The docos call Peloton against plastic on demand.